As you see on the board this morning, we would like to study with you for your consideration statements from the cross. Now that title could be misleading. We're not going to talk about all the statements from the cross. We are going to primarily talk about the seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. Now you might immediately wonder, well, what other statements were made? Well, you remember the two thieves, one on the right, one on the left, they communicated together. They talked to each other. They even rebuked each other from time to time. There's a lot more could be said about that. However, at this time, we're going to concentrate on these seven statements and give a very brief explanation of what was going on at the time. Now, the first four books of the New Testament are simply Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, these are four Gospels writing about the same events. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all wrote about the birth of Jesus, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension. Now, all four of the Gospels did not include information about all five of these categories. But the basic message that they wrote about are all in these five messages. Sometimes you'll find a message that only one of them recorded. Maybe, say, for example, Matthew. But then again, you might find a message that all four of them recorded. We're not going to take time in this lesson to show what everyone did record. But what we are going to do, we're going to show you from the reading of Mark. So go with me, please, to Mark 15. We're going to read verses 33 and down through several verses. Because here in Mark's account, and this will be the only time we refer back to Mark. The only time throughout the whole lesson. The other things that Mark had to say in Mark 15 were recorded by other writers also. But there's one key factor that Mark wrote that is worthy of our special attention. So Mark 14th chapter began at verse 33. Now what we learn here is very, very interesting because Jesus has been identified by the timetable in which he died. Now you don't always see that. But Mark records the third hour, and I wrote this little crude chart on the board, third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. Now Mark's going to include all three of those hours. So pay very close attention, please, as we read from Mark's writing. You know, when you read and you study this, it becomes very, very apparent that Mark knew exactly what was going on. He knew that Jesus was dying. Now, Jesus is your very best friend. And when Jesus was about to die, he reached out to the world. He reached out to individuals. He reached out to do 
exactly what he came to do. He even reached out to his mother because this is all very important. Mark chapter 15, we're going to begin reading at verse 25. Please note the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour as they appear in the scriptures. The word of God said, verse 25, and it was the third hour when they crucified him. Let's take a little break here. The third hour, now this is Jewish time. They began from even an evening shall they celebrate their Sabbath. So their third hour is the equivalent to our ninth hour. In other words, nine o'clock in the morning. They began at six o'clock. So therefore, you have seventh hour is one hour. Eight o'clock is two hours. He was crucified the third hour. So therefore, you begin to see now a little bit more of what Mark had to say. Please pay very close attention to the sixth and the ninth hour. This has a very major part of our lesson. The Word of God said, we're reading that Mark, the 15th chapter. We began at verse 24, now verse 25. And it was the third hour they crucified him. And the superscription was written over him, the king of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled with Seth, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Now you remember what this is? When Jesus was crucified, he was not crucified alone on that day. There was one on his right hand, there was one on his left. But Jesus was crucified between the two. And the Bible went on to say, verse 29, this is a very ugly passage. The Bible said, and as they passed by, they railed on him. And they wagged their heads and said, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. They were just railing against Jesus. However, in verse 31, likewise also the chief priest, they mocking said unto themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel deceive, descend now from the cross, and we may see and believe that they were crucified with him, reviled him. Verse 33, very important passage. And when it was the sixth hour, that is our noontime, when it was the sixth hour was come, there were darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted in the English language, my God, my God, why did thou forsake me? What we learned from these last two verses, that there was darkness over the land from the sixth hour to the ninth. So can you imagine a day of time in your life where there was darkness from noon until three o'clock in the afternoon? Well, at noon was the halfway point. Jesus was crucified at nine o'clock a.m. He hung on the cross to noon, 
He continued hanging on the cross to 3 o'clock p.m. So what we're studying today is six hours of the life of our Lord. We're looking at only a portion of one day. This is an amazing segment of scripture. By the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all recorded the last week of the Lord's life. That's a lot of information, but they recorded a lot of the Lord's life. Some of the events, like Zacchaeus, only recorded by Luke. Many other parables only recorded by other writers. But this, this, the last week of our Lord, was recorded by all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So therefore, I want you to remember, Jesus, who is your very best friend, when he died, he died beginning at 9 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the evening. And there was darkness soon after he was crucified until noon, and then at 3 o'clock, as a matter of fact, on our board today, point number four to point number seven all transpired at the three o'clock hour. So this is very, very interesting. Well, I'll tell you this. Let's look at it this way. This birth, life, and death, resurrection, and ascension, we're going to concentrate on the death of Jesus. The resurrection and the ascension We've commented on through the meeting. However, the death is what we're going to talk about today. Now, Matthew, we've talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew has 28 chapters. Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 21. However, these seven points we've gathered from Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. Now I've written the verses at the end of each statement. Now here's another key factor. We're no longer going to go through Mark. We're going to only look at Matthew, Luke, and John, as you see on the board. And we're going to do that and make it a little bit easier for you. There are three major statements found in Luke. The first one, the second one, and the last one. The others are Matthew and Mark. So this will be real easy. If you've got a Bible marker, it's real easy to follow along. And I may not quote the verses in its entirety, but I'm going to simply give you the meaning and the very message that is for the lesson today. Now what we learn about these statements made by Jesus from the cross, as he was hanging on the cross of Calvary, you know the Bible said in John 15 verse 13, this is not written on the board, by the way. John 15 and 13, Greater love has no man than this, than a man will lay down his life for his friends. It was a great honor for Jesus, even though he didn't want to do it, but he was willing to do it. He was willing to die at Calvary to save you from your sins. Very, very important message indeed. Well, here we go with the seven statements. You know, there is a, a very special place that I like to go, and to all of you good California folks, you may or may not have been to this location. It's between Auburn and Grass Valley. I don't know if it's halfway, but I think it's a little more than halfway. They have a little garden called the Biblical Garden. 
Now, I don't know how many of you have been there, but I've been there several times. It is free. Now, that's not why I like it, but that helps. It's free. They take donations. But as you go to the, this beautiful garden and you walk up the trail, and it's a very clean, clear, distinctive trail. And as you walk up the trail, you have a little area cleared out. And then they set up some fixtures in there. And this first one was the Sermon on the Mount. And you can go there and you can push the box on the speaker and you can hear a voice to um, be like Jesus' voice when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And they even have a bench or two you can sit down on and listen. And then as you go further up that cross, or up that hill, you see different scenes of what happened in the life of our Lord. And it was, it's quite a lengthy, you don't have to be in the very best of shape, but you need to be ready because this hill gets a little steep at times. But after you're walking up and you're seeing different scenes of the life of our Lord and you get out of the main trail, and right as you begin to turn left, you look and depending on what time of the year it is, you see something that catches your eye and you can't help but wonder, I wonder what that is. And then as you turn a sharp corner, all of a sudden it basically takes your breath away. There is a large, um, it's a fiberglass cross with a figurine hanging on that and that represents Jesus. Beside him there are two thieves. They have, not, they have seven tombstones in that cross or in that little cleaned out area. Each of those tombstones has one of these seven statements made by Jesus. And as you sit, sit there, and I've gone there with many friends at times, but one particular year, we went to that particular place, and you know, they had two or three benches bumped end on end, long way, we could all sit there. And, and I read John 17, the prayer that Jesus prayed, truly the Lord's prayer. And if we read there and Different ones of us, we just had tears in our eyes. We looked at the man who simplified Jesus there. That we could kind of see and identify. And we thought, wow. This is the closest that some people will ever get to Calvary's scene. And here we are just a few feet away. If you ever get to go, go and enjoy. For I know it's still there. But as you finally pull yourself away from that event and you start down the cross or you start down the hill, all of a sudden you see something else. You see a tomb and the tomb is empty. They're wow. And then as you go a little bit further, there are other things along the way, I'm sure, but you go a little bit further and you see Jesus in the trees ascending to heaven and you work your way all the way down that hill and then there's a baptismal pool that you can immerse people in baptism for the remission of their sins in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit that is a very special place that I like to go of all the places that I have been I think that is perhaps my favorite place I've gone there numerous of times over the past many, many years. I want you to always take opportunity to take 
time to see. Maybe a video, maybe a movie, maybe a situation like that to where you can relate a little bit to what Jesus went through. Well, one more thing about that. Biblical garden is what it's called. The biblical garden is each of these tombstones, they mention one of these and they put them in chronological order. And this list right here is what is considered by the majority of the scholars to be the order that Jesus made these statements. There's only a couple that are even in dispute. But most scholars believe these seven are listed in this way, and that is how Jesus spoke those. In Luke 23 and verse 34, we see the first one. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here Jesus is dying. He had been beaten. He had been whipped. He had been treated worse than you would treat an animal. People had spit on him. And Jesus, they're hanging at Calvary. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. My friends, he reached out to the masses of the people. And he begged God, please forgive them. I want you to know something today. Jesus died at Calvary for you. Each one of you. He died for you. And if you've got sin in your life and you're not committed to Jesus, you're not committed to even worship with him every Lord's Day and support gospel meetings and be here on midweek services and be here on Sunday night and you're not willing to reach out, I want to tell you what, Jesus expects better out of you. If you physically can do it, the Lord expects more out of you. He wants you to give him your best like he gave you his best. He gave you his life. He reached out to the masses, Father, forgive them. And some of those people were somewhat taken back because the man is dying for what he preached and how he practiced, but yet Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They listened. Some applied it. Some thought about it. And then other people just waited to see what would happen next. That phrase, Father, forgive them, the phrase that indicates by the continuous action that is something he said more than once. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. That's why Jesus came to forgive people from their sins. Okay now, statement number two made by Jesus. This time, he was speaking to the thief on the cross, Luke 23, 43. Very similar, same book, same chapter, but instead of verse 34, it's verse 43. The thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when I come back into the kingdom. Notice this was a thief previous to this. He was one who denounced Jesus, as many thousands of others had. But now he confessed Jesus as Lord. Lord, remember me. When? When you come back into your kingdom. He showed his faith and his confidence in Jesus for who he was. Much speculation on what was it that changed his mind. It could very well be the courage of Jesus that day because Jesus was dying with great amount of courage even though he had been treated so terribly. And Jesus said, Today shall thou be with me 
in paradise. Wow, look at this word right here. Today. Many of you have lost loved ones. Spouse, child, friend, whoever. If they're saved, it is today. Something's going to happen the day they die. The day you die, the day I die, immediately we will go to paradise as saved people. Today shalt thou be, look at here, with me. If anybody ever died smiling, it had to be this thief. Because despite the fact of how he lived, Jesus says, today you're going to go with me and we are going to paradise. Wow. I'll assure you, paradise is a wonderful place. Rich man and Lazarus story in Luke 16, they call it Abraham's bosom. In Revelation 6, 9 through 11 is a place of comfort. This time, it is Jesus who's going to paradise. But he's not going alone. He's taking one of these things with him. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've looked. I don't know if it's a thief on my right or your left. I don't know which one of the thieves it was. It does not matter. But one of these thieves said, Lord, remember me when you come again. And the Lord immediately said, today you can be with me in paradise. If there's any way to jump for joy while hanging on a cross, I'm sure he did it. Today, you're going to be with me. Here's the deal. I want everybody to understand when you die and you're saved, that day you're going to be with him in paradise. That day. So don't go doing anything foolish. Anything that could cost you your soul. Put the Lord first. Let nobody, let nothing get in your way of living a Christian life. Today shall thou be with me in paradise. Now let's look at number three. In number three, now you go to the Gospel of John. In John 19 and 26, Jesus now looked down and he saw his mother. The Bible says he saw his mother standing by and the disciple whom he loved. When you read all four accounts, you find that to be the Apostle John. The John that wrote the Gospel of John. The John that wrote the book of Revelation. The John who wrote five books of the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. So he wrote these four books. That's the John. The same John, Peter, James, and John, that were a very close confidants of Jesus. And he spoke to John, he said, and spoke to his mother, he said, and the King James Version, and this is a respectful terminology. It's not uh, being disrespectful of we might would think it to be. King James Version says, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. Jesus was not about to die leaving his mother without care and safekeeping. John, I'm asking you, take care of my mother. Mother, be to John like a mother. John, be to my mom like a son. You all take care of each other. I love the verse that says, from that hour, John took Mary home with him to take care of her. So they left. Mary was not there when Jesus died. 
She was in John's home. So therefore, Jesus, in point number one, reached out to the masses of the people and said, Father, forgive. Then he reached down and talked to an individual, the thief on the cross beside him. And now he looks to earthly matters, his mother's wealth and his mother's health and well-being. John, take care of my mother. Let me tell you what. A son who's not worthy to, and willing to take care of his mother is not worthy to be called a son. Jesus was. Jesus was on a journey here. He was in a transition and he knew that. He was just a little while from dying. But what did he do? Look at those three things. The masses, individual, caring for his mother. Then darkness came upon the land. And it was dark for seven hours. He broke that silence by saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, Lamas of Bothanai. In Matthew's account, Matthew 27 and 46, Jesus reached out to God the Father and said, Why does this have to happen? You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying? He said, Father, if there's any way possible, let this cut pass from me. Not my will, but thy will be done. Now listen, Jesus said this seven t several times. John 5, 30, he said it. John 6 and 38, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus was committed to doing the Father's will, whatever it was. Dear friends, please adopt that as your commitment to do what the Lord said, even if you've got to make changes in job and, and hobbies and habits and all this. Do what it takes to do what Jesus needs you to do. He did all he could for us. We need to do all we can for him. And it may need to make changes. We talked about the deal about making changes last night. But on this occasion, point number four, this is now three o'clock in the afternoon. These four go very quickly in the time frame in which our Lord lived and died. Now point number five. Jesus said, I thirst. John 19 and 28. Notice here, five and six is just two verses away. One is in verse 30, the other is in verse 28. I think it is so sad that the Son of God, the water of life, had to be thirsty. I thirst. I'm sure he did. He had been hanging on that cross now for six hours. And that doesn't even say anything about the way he was treated before he got put on that cross. The third hour of the day, he got nailed to that cross. Six hours later, he just said, I thirst. Oh, my friends, that to me is, among all things, that is a sad thing. Jesus, that he had to be thirsty. And then, two verses later, in John 19, verse 30, Jesus said, it is finished. Wow. Isn't it nice 
to start a project, but it's also super nice to finish a project. It's very nice to start a trip, but it feels so good to finish the trip. It is finished. And the prayer that Jesus prayed, the true Lord's Prayer in John 17, Jesus began that prayer in John 17. And if you've got a red letter edition, you can say all red there. He said, Oh, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And verse 4, he said, I have finished the work you gave me to do. He was saying, I'm ready to come home. I want it to be like it was between me and you before the world even was. I want to be back like it used to be. I'm tired of living on this earth. He was only 33 years old, but oh, did he ever work. Oh, did he accomplish a lot. My friends, he accomplished salvation for you, for you, and for me. We can never repay that. But we can say thank you, Jesus, and we can thank God for allowing Jesus to die, and Jesus is willing to die. We can say, Lord, thank you. And we can live our life like we should, commit our life like we should, and not let Jesus die in vain. Anybody who dies and goes to hell, Jesus, his death meant nothing to that individual. It meant everything to those who die and are saved. It meant nothing to those who die and are lost. Please, do not. The Bible calls it, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Don't, don't let that happen. You be the man and woman. You stand up and you say to your spouse, honey, I've not lived like I should have lived. I've not been who I should have been. But I'm going to start today, and I'm going to do better. And if you catch me not doing or saying or acting or behaving like I should, bring it to my attention. I'm going to live, and I'm going to start today living the life the Lord needs me to live. The Lord needs me, and I'm going to be there for him. I needed him. He was there for me. Dear friends, you can have a new beginning. You can start your spiritual life all over again. You can start and you can accomplish the goal that the Lord wanted for you and that you at one time wanted for yourself. It is finished. That here is bittersweet. It's much more sweet than it is bitter. It's bitter that he was in pain and agony and gone through all he did, but it's so sweet. He finished the work the Lord gave him to do. And the last phrase he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Back to Luke 23 and verse 46. The Bible said with a loud voice, he prayed to the Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. That phrase with a loud voice has been studied by many, many scholars because most people when they hang on the cross the hours that Jesus did, they can barely even speak. And when they do, it's just a whisper. They just don't have, the body so used up, they just don't have room to talk. They just can't talk. Not very much at all. But Jesus is different because he laid down his life for his friends. 
And Jesus cried with a loud voice. Listen, your best friend is now in the process of dying. You've been by your loved one. You've held the hand of those. I, I don't know how many times I've been there and I've held the hands of people that breathed their last breath and they died. I don't know how many times I've been with parents and grandparents and friends and brethren and sisters in Christ. And at time we were praying together and they died right there. I don't know how many times we've been singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wreck like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And that person, they die. Oh, those events are tough. So tough. They're many times tougher on us than them. If they're saved, I mean, we're saying, praise God, they're saved. But for us, we're going to miss him. You remember what Paul said about Ephroditus? He was sick unto death. Paul said, God spared him. He spared his life. So I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. But the Bible does say, now get a hold of this. Hebrew 9 and 27. It is appointed a man once to die. After this, a judgment. If the Lord delays his coming beyond our lifetime... There'll be a time he'll come, but we're going to die. We're going to all die. Everybody here, you're going to die. If you wait 20 years for me to come back to Plans Road, many of you are going to be dead. I may not be able to come back in 20 years from now. I'll be 80 years old. I may be dead. But you know, that's insignificant. What's important is, am I ready to meet my maker? And are you ready to meet your maker? Today, now, this very moment, 1129.40, right now, are you living dead? Are you dead spiritually? You've got to make that decision. Jesus cried out to his daddy, and he said, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. The Bible said he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. Your best friend just died. I want you to think about that. Because had Jesus not died, there's no way any of us could be saved. But Jesus did die, so all of us can be saved. But it's up to us individually to make the right decision. Lord, I commit my life to thee. Take it and make it thine own. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Many great songs have been written that kind of touch your heart. I'm going to ask you today, are you ready to meet your maker? But I'm going to go a step further. I've asked that other time through this meeting. Now I'm going to ask, are you ready to make your commitment to serving the Lord and turning your back on Satan, turn your back on sin, turn your back on evil? Now you're going to rise up. You're going to say, Lord, you can count on me. I'm going to be there for you and for your cause. The cause for which you died. Anytime a president of the United States dies, some very popular figure, it may be a musician, it may be a politician, it may be whoever, you know, they many times will televise it for days. And they'll show people coming by and looking at 
Usually it's a closed casket, but passing by the casket. Let me tell you what, today, you can be in this little building right here at Plains Road. You can get your life right with the Lord. If you've never been baptized, this baptistry back here, behind this board, it only takes 15 minutes to fill. You can be baptized today and become a member of the Lord's family. You can call your brothers and sisters, other baptized believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you have been baptized, you've not lived like you should. Own up to it. Be man or woman enough to say, I have sinned. And ask for prayer of the church. And may that commitment, that repentance, that turn, turn away from Satan, sin, and evil. You're ready to meet your maker. Now here's the situation. You can make the decision today. The Lord will make the decision of the judgment day based on your decision today and future days ahead. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.